Let's spell a song so you can sing along with my special guest star for two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is returning guest. He is the host of Hell is a Musical and Writer's Bagel Basket podcasts. He also picks the most interesting topics to talk about. It's Scott Curland, everyone. Hey, Johnny, I want to keep it interesting. I don't want to do like, I could easily talk about singing in the rain all day, but right. you know, but that- like, I mean, we're examining all facets of, like, what constitutes as a musical movie or TV show here. Yeah. So, I mean, we're always pushing boundaries. This one at least has more songs than the last time you were on, so... To be fair, the last time I was on, that was, like, a 40-minute TV TV show. I know. (laughs) I know. But we're here to talk about Top Secret! Uh... The, a 1984 film by uh, screenplay by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, Jerry Zucker, and Martin Burke, directed by Jim Abrams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker. So many three directors for this one movie. Two of them are brothers. Yeah, the I, Zucker brothers. I figured the Zucker brothers, but Jim Abrams, uh, high school best friend. Got it. And then, according to IMDb. An American rock and roll singer becomes involved in a resistance plot to rescue a scientist imprisoned in East Germany. I loved this movie. <laughs> this movie's great. This movie's great. The premise of it was based on how they apparently they were watching when they were kids growing up in the 60s. They were watching like all of these Elvis movies that were musicals, but they I were knew it. Yeah. Yeah. This was a take on if Elvis was around today and, you know, alive, not shooting out TVs and dying on the toilet. Um, <laughs> it's true. Oh, my goodness. Did So, wait, this movie but, was supposed to be modern day, quote unquote, which means like 1984. It was 84. Yeah, it's supposed to be 84. But they but, said it. But it's supposed to be like an Elvis movie if it was also set during the great escape like the movies like the great escape or the dirty dozen so they were trying to mix genres okay but keep in mind the berlin wall was still up at in 84 that's the whole well yeah i mean i knew that i knew but i was just there like some of with the song traces and the dancing styles and everything i was just like is this the 60s it's supposed to the songs are supposed to feel that way because he's supposed to be elvis yeah, well, because, I mean, I know Elvis famously was drafted mm-hmm. and then served time. I mean, bye-bye, Birdie. Hello. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't sure if this was making fun of that or if it was making fun of another movie. Because I know that they make reference to, fuck, I remember it. I can't. What's that movie now? Where they're on the beach. Blue Lagoon. Thank you. Yeah, so... That's what the Zuckers do because the Zuckers and Jim Abrams. So the Zuckers and Abrams together made Airplane, uh, Airplane yes. to the sequel. They also made uh, this and Police, not Police Academy, uh, Police Squad, which became the Naked Gun. 
Oh, okay. And then Jim Abrams yes. went off by himself and he made Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Deux. I mean, you could tell that this was along those same lines as those other movies that you talked about without knowing that they were they right. were physically involved. Because, I mean, it was also like... It's a parody. It also felt like a Mel Brooks in a way, or they were trying to be Mel Brooks in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah, the Zuckers were that way. They were like... They were supposed to be like the punk rock version of Mel Brooks because they would go further than Mel Brooks would go. Like Mel Mel Brooks would like say certain things, but he had a line. The Zuckers would push that line and they would try and see if they could get stuff past censors. Like in a lot of their movies, if you notice the calendar uh, in the prison for it's Michael Michael Gove's character, Alfred from uh Alfred, yeah. yeah. When when he, Batman ran into Alfred in the prison. Yeah. Um he has a nudie calendar. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Well, yes, but uh, I mean the But it's so subtle in the background that you can't really tell. And they would do that stuff. This movie is like PG, PG thirteen. <laughs> like they had a ballerina running on hard penises. Like Yes. I think that had to do with Barishnikov, like because like back then like everyone commented that Barishnikov always wore like a codpiece that should not have been as prominent yes <laughs> i mean it, it makes sense that you said that one of them was did naked gun because it felt like this felt like a leslie nielsen type movie as well because of all like the um gags that would happen and the uh the stupid stupid comedy yeah i mean i know they wanted leslie nielsen to play dr flamand and they also wanted him in hot shots as well and he's like no i'll stick to playing frank drebin from from naked gun and police squad so so like this movie kind of made me love Val Kilmer like growing up I thought Val Kilmer was the coolest I've never of, heard of this movie before you picked it this came out the same year or year before Real Genius like if you look at Val Kilmer's career he did this then he did Real Genius then he did Top Top Gun then he did Willow a year after that so he had like four really good years um when I was watching this with my wife she goes is that Val Kilmer really singing and I go yeah and she goes oh my god I'm like yeah it's not fair it's not fair that he's beautiful and he can act and he's funny and he can sing it's not fair well because he was in the he Norse. played he played Jim Morrison yeah, yeah but that that he was lip-syncing though I no he was singing in that oh shit I am mistaken yeah I... he he can make his voice sound like Jim Morrison and Elvis how dare he it, he's really good in this movie like the fact he started out as a comic actor, like he wanted to be like uh, the the handsome version of like Bill Murray or Chevy Chase. That's what he wanted to be. Oh, and I then, can see that that that's a great description for this movie, at least. Yeah, like his delivery on some of these lines. Can we just say that he is the best actor in in the entire movie? Like. He is the best. Well, because he's the only one that I feel like, besides the woman playing Hillary. She's terrible. Like, she's awful. 
But like, I feel like the two of them were taking it serious. Everyone else was being a clown. Um, I would say the torch or the blue lagoon guy was playing it serious too. The torch. <laughs> yeah, that was his name. <laughs> I forgot his name already. <laughs> the the only person I think who's like really hamming it up is Deja Vu, who is played by Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey. Deja. The names, when they introduced the names, I was just like, this is so stupid. I love every second of this. Yeah, this movie, I will keep saying, is great. It doesn't age well. There are certain things that don't age well about the movie. Oh, no. The first skate surfing. Yeah, the, the kids running around with AKs. Now, granted, it was a different time period, so school shootings weren't a thing. But watching it, I was just like, "This didn't." It. No, no, that watching it this time, I I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, that was bad." <laughs> um, that didn't age well. But like, as soon as they get to um, what you might call it. Uh oh the train as soon as they I I can't that train think of- sequence was so funny. <laughs> I was just the, like what is happening? <laughs> the train the train sequence not just with Omar Sharif like Omar Sharif is in this movie from from Lawrence of Arabia and uh Hidalgo and like they have a very serious actor who was in Funny Girl. The man was in Funny Girl. He was in Funny Girl. He was. And he was Nicky Arnstein. Yep. They have him like basically picking up poop, getting like a ink squirted in his face. He gets crushed into a car. They make an erection joke about him. And like, you're like, this guy is like a very serious, like Shakespearean actor. And he's doing all this. He clearly needed money, but like. I mean, he might, he also probably thought it was fun just to not be serious for like a project yeah maybe 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 but like um i also thought it was crazy that uh whatchamacallit um uh oh my god uh my the beach boys actually wrote a song for this movie yeah 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 so skeet surfing was written by brian wilson mike love and chuck berry I mean, all the songs were written by different people. Right. Yeah, is, I know. But because, like, then you go to Tutti Fruity, which is a real song that was that's written by Dorothy the Boistre. I, nope, I fucked up her last name. Le, Le Bostri and David Penniman. Nope. Fuck, I can't say names. Dor- Words are hard. <laughs> Words are very hard. Tutti Fruity, written by Dorothy LaBoistry and Richard Pennyman. I believe I pronounced their names right. Yeah, but you know who Richard Pennyman is, right? The one who sang it? It's little Richard. Oh. Oh! (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) So I'm right. He's the one that sang it. (laughs) Yes, it was little Richard. (laughs) And, uh, but the fact that they got Chuck Berry uh, and Mike Love right. and Brian Wilson. And this had to be like Brian Wilson. I don't, I think Mike Love would have done it because at this time he was doing like the shit of writing Kokomo for cocktail. 
and like writing bad songs and kind of destroying the Beach Boys. But I think this, and this is going to get really dark and I'm very sorry, but I think this is the, the time period where Brian Wilson was being taken advantage by Dr. Gene Lundy. And like he was forced to write this song for the movie. Oh no. Yeah. I I think like this was that, that uh, time when he was under a conservatorship <gasps> by, by his doctor. Oh, uh, you know I, that, right? You you knew that story of Brian Wilson, right? I feel like I heard about the conservatorship because of everything that happened around Britney. And, I, and yeah. they were like, it happened with Brian things? Wilson and like his, the woman who ended up saving his life became his wife. But like, this was that time period. So, so he probably did not want to write this song. I mean, they also probably paid him pretty penny too for it. Which he probably did not see a dime of. Right. Mm. So that, sorry, but that's the truth. Like That's what happened in this time period. And it's awful, but we got a really great movie from it. I mean, the song, the song not the is song. stupid. <laughs> the, I, showing my hand, that, that song is flat for me to show my hand. Uh, we'll get yeah. into that later. Like all the other songs are way better. I mean, you can't really top 2D 3D because like I said, it's a real song. But the other ones are more of go with the visual gag. How silly can it get? That is a song that I love. The straighten out the rug. Straighten out the rug is a great song. Where there's rugs that magically show up all over the place. That is, that it was amazing. Like, okay, straighten out the rug. They're in like a, diner type thing it's a pizza is... hut oh right it's a pizza it's, hut because it's called pizza house <laughs> but my my one of my favorite parts of that is is like uh the in the choreography they have guys wailing around dolls like whipping them around their heads because they're, they're lassos or as if they're also real people because they started out as women they were dancing oh of course but like you could tell they're dolls or mannequins and that's i mean i was laughing my ass off at that point because i was just like what is this is so so stupid airplane happened first though right airplane was 80 yeah yeah this is how they got airplane i mean mean, this is this is how they got airplane is how they got this yes thank you (laughs) yes because it was there's all that stupid, stupid, stupid comedy. The Pac-Man moment. Mm-hmm. I, I was dying. I was dying laughing. I'm so, I thank you for introducing this to me. The, the scene that always gets me is at Sven Jorgensen's, the bookstore, and it's played backwards. Yeah, why is that? Because, they're supposed, because they're supposed to be speaking Swedish. So the only way to do it is to speak English backwards? That's that was the joke. <laughs> I was just I was just watch. I had to watch it twice because I was like, I know I watch it with subtitles and on it. It was like in English backwards. Yeah. Like, what? Also, like, what's his name? Val Kilmer in that scene, like being so happy that he can like make it look like he's throwing the books up high, even though he's just catching them. <laughs> you you know. You know, in his mind, he's just like nailed it when he caught it. Just everything about Val Kilmer in this movie is 
so like you knew that he was going to be a huge star. Yes. Like, yeah, but I kind of wish that he followed the path that you were saying that he wanted to be the handsome Chevy Chase, Bill Pullman, Bill Murray, no, Bill Murray. Sorry. <laughs> he, Bill Murray. Well, he ended up doing that later before he lost his voice in like the 2000s. He went back to that because he was in Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. And but I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I want I wish I got to see him in like his version of Ghostbusters or something. Yeah. I wish, I mean, his version of Ghostbusters to him was The Saint. That's supposed to be a comedy. It's supposed to be an action comedy, but it's not. Okay. <laughs> they sucked out all of the comedy from it. But, like, because he, uh, he did Real Genius right after this. And Real Genius is hysterical. Yeah, but, I mean, like, and then he was very he was very serious. I mean, he was very serious in that Batman movie, even though it's not a serious movie at all right but he was i i just wish that there was m- more movies like this in his <laughs> oeuvre oeuvre yeah <laughs> on his on his cv if you will <laughs> i mean when you think about that he's supposed to be like not only the rival but kind of like the trickster joker person in top gun like He's he's the antagonist, but he's supposed to be a prankster in it. Like it's like, yeah, really? I have it. I have other issues with that movie that we won't get into on here. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I really I also really did appreciate that. I read on IMDb, like you said, that he did his own singing, but it was credited as his character's name. Yeah. So I really did. I I. I did appreciate that, that at least they had him singing. It makes you wonder if they were going to try and like every year release like a different Nick Rivers album. Or like do a sequel movie, Top Mm -hmm. Secret 2 or something like that. Because that's what happened in the 80s. Well, this movie didn't do well at the box office. uh, Domestically. I was reading that. it, uh, it. Okay, so it had a budget of $9 million according to imdb estimated uh opening weekend in u.s and canada it got uh, 4.4 million mm-hmm. and the worldwide gross was 20.5 million right but internationally that's considered a loss really i thought were is it is it based on the domestic gross then that well this movie opened up against um ghostbusters so oh well then yeah so so this movie opened up against ghostbusters and i believe uh beverly hills cop but like it made double its budget allegedly well that's how they measure it now back then they wanted it to back then the marker was could this movie stay in theaters over two months or three months or because home alone came out in november of 1991 or 1990 and that was in theaters until like april or may of 1991 or 92 okay so like so back then if a movie i know for a fact that in 1988 big was in the theaters from the summer up until new year's eve of 1988 so like that's how they measured a successful movie. If people were still going to see it and it stayed in the top 10, 
Oh, interesting, interesting. So this dipped after, I believe it's third week. Yes. I'm, uh, the film was considered a bomb, although it earned 20 million. Apparently they also blamed Airplane 2, the sequel, as part of his failure. Yeah, because Paramount was upset with them that they wanted to make, they didn't want to make a sequel to Airplane 2. So they hired a different director and writer team to make that. And the movie's awful. Um, and they released it like at the same time. Ah, uh, okay. But they had nothing to do with it. So mm-hmm. oh, God, do not think logically, John. Do not think logically. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> But there are jokes in this movie that make me laugh. Like when uh, Dr. Flamon is like, they want to have it ready on the 29th, this Sunday. And when he goes, oh my God, that's Sim Hastora. Like that gets me every single time. There was a, there was a moment that they missed like a good opportunity for a joke where um, they were talking about, he was talking about something that was going to take 20 minutes or it, or he's been in jail for 20 minutes. And I wish that that was at the 20 minute mark. It's not. That's yeah. just me though. <laughs> that would, that would have been really funny if it was like, I've been in here for 20 minutes and it's. Yeah. Also with that scene itself, they, they go into a territory that just gets weird because the joke is his agent or manager doesn't care what he's saying. And it's all about basically sex. Yes. <laughs> for, for the agent. And I'm like, oh, oh, this does not age well. And like, and it, he, they it get, gets gross. He gets a fisting machine at the end or something. It, it's supposed to be a vibrator. F, but. It, it has, has attachments. It has yes. attachments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gross. It's what it is is gross. It's gross. And he, I saw this movie when I was like nine. Oh shit! <laughs> and and I always did not like that scene because the scene after it always made me laugh, where he's going through the different ports in his cell. Yes. Yep. That's and the you way that. What I really appreciated about this movie too is that there are chunks. There's like sequences. There's it's not like a scene. They're vignettes. It's like yeah. they're vi- yeah, because you there's that there's the whole sequence in the jail when Val Kilmer's in prison versus trying to steal out uh, save the um, Alfred. I forgot his name. Um, Doctor Flamond. <laughs> Doctor Flamond. But then there's also like the restaurant sequence. And everything that happens there and it it's just like it's different writing and i kind of miss it i don't think that movies are like this anymore i mean that's where you get the three directors because like david zucker would write one section of the movie jerry would write another and jim would write another and then they would like meld it together and then they would each direct their section of the movie was martin the one that was just like making the through line then the fourth I, writer <laughs> i i guess but i i do remember with um this movie the scene that i always go back to is when they're trying to break him as soon as he gets to the prison 
and he's being tortured and it just cuts to him passing out and he's like i'm sorry where's the math final yeah that's that random dream sequence oh i love that scene that's my favorite scene in the entire movie because when he's like oh god i'm back in school because he passed out and now he's hallucinating because they're they're like whipping him so much and then when he wakes up and he sees that he's being whipped and he just goes oh thank god (laughs) i was just like this is weird because he's in the same hallway as they were in and skeet surfing with the with the guns and everything and I was just like, okay, well, you're using the same set. I get it. But yeah. why? Why this? Mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was also a reference to, like, another movie. No. Maybe? Okay. No. It's just weird for the sake right. of being weird. And th- there are other things that, jokes that get me, like, the fireplace coming back. when they're, and, and, and the parachute. When sky di- yeah, when they're parachuting. I we need to talk about the underwater sequence the underwater sequence I still to this day don't know how they did it I don't know how they did it either but I was just like damn because like they all know that they was stupid and like it was a big old gag and everything but they were very (laughs) into the scene it wasn't like we're playing for laughs everyone huzzah (laughs) I don't think they were playing through glass. That's no, they weren't. And that's why I really appreciated it. Because, like, they're underwater in a saloon. And the the button of the of the scene is a um is a uh, a saloon a girl. Yeah. A saloon girl being like, uh, come back sometime, Mr. or whatever she says. See me upstairs, why don't you? Yeah, yeah. Bye, Nick. <laughs> and I was just like, who thought of this? It makes no sense. It but literally, they're, but they're genius. <laughs> the only like I've tried to think about how they could do it. Like, did they do it through glass where they actually filmed them? They had them upside down doing the scene, but no, they they move too fluid. Like, are they underwater? Is it through the glass? Are they blowing? Like, it, where did they stop to get the air? Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it was it's. It's, it makes um, no it's, sense. It is very impressive. It is very impressive. And that's them. Like, it's not their stunt doubles or anything. It's right. them. Yeah. So kudos to everyone uh, uh, in that scene. And and that's why Val Kilmer, like, I I feel like he's such an underrated actor. Like, he, there is a year in 1993, he should have won an Oscar. He should have won an Oscar for Tombstone. Okay. And and he did not. And it was a travesty. Like, the year that he was snubbed for probably his best role to date is a travesty. Like, he is such an underutilized actor. I don't really know his career that well, to be totally honest. I know of, like, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and yeah. him in it. Um, obviously, Batman. Um, I know of other stuff that he's been in. I don't think I've seen a lot of it. He he shot himself in the foot because he ended up becoming difficult to work with. Oh, uh, was that around Island of Dr. Monroe? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and it's a shame because he's like, now he, he realized he was in his own way and it came too late because now he's lost his voice and it's, it's heartbreaking. Mm. I need to watch that documentary on him. It, it's upsetting. It's very upsetting. So watch it with a box of tissues 
because I'm going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when you hear what his voice sounds like now, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's like, ah, uh, cigarettes are bad. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes, they are. Because cigarettes are bad. He, he smoked so much and he lost his voice. He got throat <sighs> cancer. Shit. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like when you see him singing and like doing all these flips in this movie, you're like, oh my God, he's amazing. And then you're like, I wonder what happened. Oh, 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 well, now we know because you told us. (laughs) Apparently. So for Top Gun, I haven't seen the new Top Gun. I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, but apparently they did the, the voice recognition software that they use for Princess Leia and Rogue One and that they're using for Darth Vader for Obi-Wan Kenobi. They use that for Val Kilmer. And then Disney just announced that he's going to be returning for the Willow TV series. And like, they're probably going to do that with, again, they're going to just digitize him to make him talk. But it'll be his real body. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, look what they did with, with Mark Hamill for. And Princess Leia. Yeah. Like it, I don't know now, but like, it makes me happy that he could talk again on the screen. That would make him happy. Maybe yeah. he would, but I don't know. Like, this, watching this movie, I was like so happy to see him. Did you did you think he's a good singer? Or I think he's a fine singer. I think he's I think he's a Hollywood singer. I think that he he's got the crooner down. I don't think he could like. He he definitely couldn't play Bobby and company, but oh no no no! But I mean, like, I mean, between this and the Jim Morrison movie, those are where, two crooners. So it, it like yeah, I mean, if he had a third, if if he had a third one before the um, he lost his voice, that would yeah, have been, I feel like he would have been able to sing again in in a in a different project, but. Guess not anymore. I really would have liked to see him as Nathan Detroit and like Guys and Dolls. Ooh, he has the look of a gangster too, you know? Yeah. Like that would have worked. If not, if not, or just somebody in Guys and Dolls. It doesn't have to be Nathan. (laughs) I mean, he. Nicely, nicely, Johnson. (laughs) Nice. He gets, he gets the 11 o'clock number. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, Guys and Dolls will always be ruined because I saw it with. Titus Burgess as Nicely Nicely and like he crushed oh. it. He destroyed that song. Like it it was so good. To and they quote, tr- to quote Sinead O'Connor, nothing compares to him. Yeah. Like, did have you seen that version of Guys and Dolls? I haven't. No. Is that the one though with Lauren Graham as Yeah, Lauren yeah. Graham and when I saw it, I Oliver wanted Platt to see was it. was hammered. <laughs> Oliver Platt played Nathan Detroit. Oh no. And when I met him afterwards, we went to the stage door and he smelt of gin. Like he could have done a shot afterwards. No, he was, he was drunk. Okay. He was, he was flat out drunk. Okay. I was trying, I was trying to because <laughs> he's like, Oh, do you want me to sign your program? What's your name? And I'm like, Sky's like, okay, Kimmy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, uh, Kimmy, Kimmy is Scott and Kimmy are the same. I, I, I was like, give me back my program. I'm going to go get Lorelai Gilmore to sign. <laughs> he was the one I was waiting for because I love Lauren Graham. Uh, who doesn't? 
But like, I can picture Val Kilmer as anyone in Guys and Dolls. Maybe not Sky Masterson, but like. I mean, he did work with Brando and does kind of like in this movie, like younger Val Kilmer does kind of look like Brando in a way. I would I would have honestly done him as Nathan Detroit and uh, Downey Jr. as as Sky Masterson because Downey Jr. can sing. I don't know. Uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. can sing. Oh, yeah. He has an album. Oh, God. Oh, God. In the early 2000s, like when he was on Ally McBeal, like you can find it on YouTube. There is him singing with Sting. They they sing I'll Be Watching You or Every Breath You Take. (laughs) That would be that would be an amazing cast. Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) Shane Black's Guys and Dolls. (laughs) there's a lot of swearing and you don't know why you see a lot of you know Danny Jr.'s butt but it's there I mean yes yes (laughs) 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 oh my god I don't I think we went through the one thing we didn't talk about is during how silly can you get is Uh when he's like trying to like basically get out of it and like and he's trying to find ways of like escaping or he's like no I, I sh- they're gonna kill me so I, I need to die so so like he's trying to die on stage and then also- oh when the noose comes in I was just like that's a little too far but they were about to kill him like he knows he's about to die it, and true but still like oh it's it's dark it's dark yeah but then all of a sudden hillary comes with the guitar and lifts him up and the scene that gets me is right after that when they see the bicycles and he and he goes yeah yeah and they scurry like horses well so the um how how silly can you get at first i was a little confused because i didn't know if that was prior to him coming to Germany, like a, another flashback in a way? No, no. That's... I didn't realize that that was the concert that... Because he was about to be shot shot at by the firing squad, and they're like, no, he's got to perform his concert, or there's going to be uh, an American incident. Like Chaos right. ensues. And I, I love... I would have preferred for it to be... Because you have like the girls acting like the way they would act with Elvis or the Beatles and they're, they're screaming. I think it would be funnier if, because like they weren't allowed to enjoy music at this time period in Germany, if like everyone was just sitting quietly and someone coughed and they're like, keep it down. Well, no, cause he's supposed to be Elvis. So they have to, right, but, but it would be funnier if, because like, uh, true. they're you not allowed to react. Go with the, don't go with the low hanging fruit. Yeah. I, I have to say though, I'm I'm intrigued though that the writers of this movie only wrote one of the songs. I thought they would have written more. Which one did they write? Did they write the uh jingle? Spend this night with me. Yeah, that's the that's the, the jingle. jingle. Yeah. With uh so it's the Zucker brothers, Jim Abrams, and Mike Moran, mm-hmm. a different fourth member. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I thought, I thought the other songs though, well, besides Tutti Fruity, because mm-hmm. that's 
a, like I, that's a real song, like I said. And is, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Are You Lonesome Tonight is also a real song. That's the jingle. Are You Lonesome Tonight is the jingle. I think Spend the Night With Me is the song that he's singing when they rescue him. Spend the, okay. spend the night. Well, spend the night with me is the jingle. Are you lonesome tonight? Is the no? Are you lonesome tonight? Is the jingle because he goes, "Are you lonesome tonight? Are you in housewares tonight?" Oh, that's it. That's weird. Yeah, I think "Spend the Night with Me" is the song he plays after uh, "How Silly You Can You Get." Elvis actually sang this song too. <laughs> that's why they did it because Elvis sang "Are You Lonesome Tonight." I'm sorry, I'm really bad at not doing I mean, research like, prior to recording, <laughs> but... But, like, this was supposed to be the whole Blue Hawaii, uh, Viva Las Vegas type of Elvis movie, and that's why we got this film. And I think it would have been hysterical. I think, if my research is correct, this was originally supposed to be Fat Elvis. Elvis was supposed to be this role. Oh, really? But he died. And they're like, okay, back to the drawing board. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just pay homage to him by having skinny Val Kilmer. Uh, I can't, I'm not seeing anything that says anything otherwise. So we're going with it. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah, he died in 77. Yes. That I that I knew he was in the seventies. I just typed in Elvis, and the first thing that comes up is Boz Lerman rejected Harry Styles to play Elvis because he's too iconic. Hard differ. I beg to differ. That movie's going to be weird, and I think I'm going to like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I saw the trailer and I sent it to Lils. I'm like, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do this on Hell's a Musical because it's just. It's the whole story, the whole story of Elvis. And then the fact that you get Tom Hanks to be the villain of the movie, Colonel Tom Parker. And he's talking like Christoph Waltz. (laughs) Like some people think I'm the villain. I'm like, why didn't they just get like, because Colonel Tom Parker was Austrian, right? I think he was, but wasn't it, wasn't Elvis also up for the guys and dolls movie? Elvis, I'm trying to remember what movie it was either guys and dolls or it was uh it's not singing in the rain it's one of those was it seven brides for seven brothers no i think it, it was it was it was one of those like transfers like broadway show to movie yeah and he was oh west side story Oh, West Side Story. Yeah, he was supposed to be Tony, right? Yes. I would have loved to see him as Riff. (laughs) Ooh, that would have been interesting. Because it would have been like starring Elvis Presley and they're like, he's going to be Tony. He's going to be so dreamy. Wait, what? He dies? (laughs) I mean, Tony dies too. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But like, like, he dies halfway through the movie? (laughs) I just think it's crazy that that the Zuckers were like, what if Elvis was in the great escape like what if they because apparently one of the movies they pitched elvis before they did like blue hawaii and jailhouse rock was a like wartime movie because he had just got back from war and they're like he's like oh no <laughs> that's my elvis oh no uh, no <laughs> just uh, trauma <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> Where's the fool's gold? <laughs> you know uh, what? You know that story about the fool's gold, right? The sandwich he would eat? No. He would eat an entire loaf of Italian bread, but they would take out the middle, fill it with jam and peanut butter, and then put crispy bacon right on top of the jam. That sounds gross. He ate like two of those a day. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That, yes, okay. Uh, Is there... So so that's, that's the sequel for Top Gun... Uh, top, not top gun. Top secret that they should have done is Nick Rivers as an aging singer song songwriter, and and he's basically Elvis in Las Vegas, just yelling at the audience. Oh, that'd be too real. <laughs> at least with this one, they're like, we're making references that he's Elvis, but we're not saying blatantly saying he's Elvis. No, they said he's Mel Torme. <laughs> yes i i love how right away like you can tell right away that the torch or what what was his name uh deja vu or no no the his his the love triangle guy the other guy oh blue lagoon yeah blue lagoon guy alfie no No. yes no no i don't Uh, know but i i love how like you can tell right away no he's the bad guy as soon as he enters, you're like, yeah, this guy's the bad guy. Yeah, and he's just like, someone here is a spy. And you're like, clearly it's you. Yeah. Like, I, I, there's a couple of things that you could guess was going to happen. Like, um, in the jail scene uh, uh, where he's trying to escape, but it's turning into, like, a, a tube Scooby-Doo. system. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that that first one was going to happen because you see the two greats together and I was like, he's going to just like go in the top one and loop around to the bottom one and that's mm-hmm. what happened. But like, I still laughed. <laughs> it was still funny. <laughs> it, it's crazy. This movie is batshit insane. Yes, yes. And it's, it, I mean, it's 80s humor, but like most of it, I feel like, is still like works. I mean, it's the whole nostalgia factor. Like, like they're trying to have the nostalgia in the eighties of movies from the fifties and sixties. Like, but I, I mean, like that's why it translates because it's like, yeah, we we love we like that too. Stranger Things. True, true. But it's it's like the um, it, like I said, the guns in the beginning. That jo- that joke doesn't no, still that's land. Awful. And then there's a few things here and there that I'm just Can like... Can I be honest? Yeah. I I totally forgot about that scene because I always either leave the room because I hate that song so much. I I always leave the room or I fast forward to the next scene, which is the train scene. That makes sense. I never watched the entire beginning of this movie. That, because I was just like, okay, so you're surfing and skeet shooting at the same time. And then you're running around school with the guns and you're running around with, with the guns. And I was like, okay, that's, um, that's a little, that's a little much. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little much. I don't know why they picked that. Like to mash up surfing and skeet shooting. I think, I think it's supposed to be just a random like hobby. Like, because I, you can't, I'm trying to think of like what other weird sport, like, 
if it was like archery or like and curling <laughs> i i don't know it, it had to be something really weird because surfing usa but right. like i mean paddle boards would have worked too <laughs> it it's just i i was just like are they making are they making a commentary on something that i'm just not getting because it's what like almost 40 years later and we're what we're talking about it uh the only thing i can think of is at this time i think that's when in the 80s is when skeet shooting actually became an olympic sport i think okay <laughs> i'll take it because I, I know a few years later what's her name gina davis entered entered the olympics and almost made it for america to be an archer so like i think this is when they they had the weird sports category of the olympics they're like yeah we're gonna introduce this in archery and equestrian and like mm-hmm. yes that, so that so that makes sense i think that's where the parody comes in because like this this is a parody musical it's a musical but it's a parody of a musical i wouldn't even call it a musical to be oh honest. i would say I mean, I told you my theory that if a movie has more than True. five songs in it, it's a musical. But because I feel most like... Disney movies are musicals and they have, I mean, if you think about it, Little Mermaid, it wouldn't be a musical by your book because it only has like four songs. No, the music, but in that instance, the music does propel the story. And this one, it, it does and it doesn't but i feel like it's a comedy first and foremost you just pulled you pulled a very david from schitt's creek it does but it it does but it doesn't (laughs) i mean i feel because i feel like the um the farce and the spy movie of it all are like the driving genres right but the music is his identity that's how we identify him in this oh yeah i'm i'm not uh I'm just saying that I don't think we should put too much emphasis on the musical aspect because it it seems like a right. tertiary storyline. No, no, I understand that. But this is like that time period when like art, these movies, these Elvis movies, you know how they used to make the Elvis movies, right? In five seconds? They had a script for like a war movie or like a like pillow talk style like rom-com and then they would write like four songs for Elvis to sing that had nothing to do with the plot of the movie. Oh, of course. That makes That's sense. like Viva Las Vegas wasn't originally called Viva Las Vegas. I believe it was called like, you know, um, you know, uh, let's go to Vegas or some art, bullshit like that. I think it was called desert honeymoon or something like that. Ah. <laughs> because like, like, and then all of a sudden it became because Vegas at this point wasn't like, the Rat Pack was just starting to get there. And like, this is what associated people with Elvis in Vegas was Viva Las Vegas. But that had nothing to do with those movies. There was no music in any of those films. Blue Hawaii was originally supposed to start like Doris Day and Rock Hudson. Like, oh, they weren't musicals. And then out of nowhere, as soon as they added someone who could sing, they became musicals. Interesting. But yeah, Interesting. so. Oh, my dog is having a nightmare right now. <laughs> oh, puppy! Yeah. Dory, puppy, we're almost done. We're almost done. <laughs> um, uh, 
it's okay. We 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 we're at fifty minutes. We're at fifty minutes. I think it's time to get into sharp and flat, don't you think? Yeah, I, okay. I think so. Great. Let's get into sharp and flat, shall we? Sharp flat. Uh, so in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp, and if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. Scotty K, why don't you go first with your sharps? So I have four sharps. Uh, okay. How silly can you get is a sharp. Yes. The the whole backwards uh, Sven Jorgensen scene is such a sharp. Yes. The underwater fight is a sharp. And then the last song, uh, Straight in That Rug, is such a bop. That's it's, such... It's really good. So... So I was writing specific moments, but I was basically writing out beats in this whole, like every beat in this movie. So I just wrote the stupid humor. Yeah. As an umbrella. Um, I mean, that would be a cop out for me because like on Bagel Basket, I always talk about like the premise of that podcast is stupid humor. So like, but I'm not going to give your audience what what I do on my show. (laughs) You have to pay for that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You have to go visit his podcast but i mean because i i could stay stay here 20 minutes breaking down everything but we basically talked a lot about the ones that i was i i guffawed out loud um i also i let out a gushry like you wouldn't believe i also sharped hillary's white dress i just thought it was very I, I liked it. I liked the the way that it was like see through and not at the same time so yeah for another sharp, I totally love the name scene. How they got their names? Oh my god! That I, I'm I'm lumping that in with the stupid humor because it's like, um, it's all like French words. Yes, my name means. Oh, what did she say? Oh no! Oh, sorry. You mean Hillary's name? I thought you were talking about no, no. When, when they she's went like, down, it was like deja vu. Uh, Latrine, Latrine, Latrine. Uh-huh. Um. No, I'm talking about when they're like, oh, how, Nick, what does it mean? Oh, it's just something my father I thought of thought when he was, he was shaving. shaving. Ah! I also strapped the underwater saloon. Like, that, that whole scene sequence, is incredible. It's, like you said, it's mind boggling to think about how they filmed it. There's no, there's no way that they could have done it safely, especially in like 1984. <laughs> no, oh, no. They're, the, the there was at least there was probably. at least one one person who was close to death probably or all of them at some point i think i read that val kilmer almost drowned i mean that would make sense because how many takes did it take them to do everything not just that but he's wearing a leather jacket and when you get leather wet uh, yeah it becomes yeah. like an anchor yes so <laughs> it's so stupid oh stupid costume designer um okay what it, what are your flats for this movie uh the opening song is a flat i don't even want to say the name of it because it makes me upset okay um uh i think some of the humor that doesn't age well the whole uh you will now be awarded by the german east german women's volleyball team yeah that one that is not good that is bad news bears and then my last my last flat is the whole uh 
cow scene. I really thought it was hilarious though that they used a real cow. I just I I I I think that scene just went on for too long was my oh, problem. Oh yes. Oh yes, but like the the way that they cuz it's two guys in a cow suit but then they use a real cow and they And they just the put boots with, on it. Yeah. They cut the bottoms off so the the hoof can actually walk on the ground and everything. But I was dying laughing when you saw the cow. Granted, I was also like animal cruelty because you painted a cow, but that's another mm-hmm. topic for another story. Yeah. Um, I flatted like you some of the jokes that did it age well. Um, I didn't list them because it was like again an umbrella thing where it's like I liked I liked a lot of the humor, but then there's some stuff that I was like, ooh, you could have done better. And then I also wrote down as a flat, I feel like we could have had one or two more songs. Yeah, I would have at least liked a song at the end. Yes. Yes. Like, like a, him him performing over the credits. Well, he does. If you actually watch the ending through the ending credits, um, there is at the very end, like the last minute, you see him and the three uh, doo-wop backup singers come on and they reprise one of the songs. Yeah, but that's just one of the songs that we've already heard. Right. Oh, I see what I see what you mean. You want to like, new like how song. in Jailhouse Rock, how or like how in Crybaby, he's performing over the credits. Like, I feel like they could have done a to reference Bye Bye Birdie, like a one last kiss style song for him at the end or something. Or even when they have like Anne Margaret at the beginning of Bye Bye Birdie come out and do like Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't you just want to see like i'm about to do a visual on a podcast but wouldn't you love to see val Kilmer just be out there like yes. doing the monkey <laughs> Do, doing like weird 60s dance moves yes yep why is this movie called top secret because it's supposed to be like a top secret file like like a dossier oh okay because also <laughs> back then like spy movies didn't make sense the titles that they had did not make sense Ah, got it. Okay. Weird. Uh, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? Straight in that rug, probably. See, a lot of the songs have a visual like cue I've to seen, go with I've it. I've seen this so many times that I know that scene. Mm. Like the one that when I think of this movie, I wouldn't add it to a playlist, but the one that I always hear in my head is how silly can I get? Like I mean, I did like his version of Tutti Fruity. That one I would put on a uh, on yeah, my but that's just list. that's just tutti frutti, right? But it's still it's still him singing it. It's not like they. <laughs> it's still a song about a butt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah, tutti frutti is about farting. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because because they told little Richard, you need to write a song that's appropriate, and you know, you know. Because apparently he wanted to like do the whole Prince thing and like write songs that were, you know, sexy. Uh And they're like, you can't do that. So he wrote Tutti Frutti and they thought it was about fruit, but it's about farting. I need to re-listen to that song now. Uh (laughs) Wop, wobbaloo, bop, a wop, bamboo. Oh my. That's supposed to be the noise of a fart. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, and on that note, uh, we're <laughs> done with the episode. Scott, what do you have to plug or promote? I have two podcasts. I have Hell is a Musical that I do with my best friend, Lils Martin. And then I have my own podcast, uh, Writer's Bagel Basket, that I do with a bevy of different people, including my other best friend, my wife. And then Johnny's been on. Johnny's coming back to surprisingly do Tombstone. because. Surprise! He's never seen it. <laughs> nope. I'm going to be, it's going to be interesting. You're going to be in for a treat. You're going to be like, what the hell was this? But Val Kilmer was so good. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to hype it up, but like, it's a, it's a performance that like the person who was originally supposed to play it could not have done what Val Kilmer did with the role. I'm intrigued now. Yeah. Um, and Liz does know she's invited to come on, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, I mean, I know we were supposed to have her on in, in one of your episodes uh, and due to scheduling, she wasn't available, but she's, I know, yeah. I know she doesn't really like musicals, but like, as, as we see here, we, we expand what the term musical movie means. So. We could, we could definitely get around to do Stop Making Sense by Talking Heads. That's a movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. It's it's a live concert. It's supposed to be a documentary, but they showcase it out to tell an entire evolution of a story of a character. I'm intrigued. You talk to her about that. We'll figure out a date to record. <laughs> Sounds uh, good. And if you want to reach out to the podcast and tell me more about Val Kilmer's filmography, you're more than welcome to. You can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. And also TikTok. Why am I not saying that? I'm also on TikTok at ButterSongPod. Um, yeah. Tell me which uh, which Elvis movie you like. I don't know where we're going. They're all the same. <laughs> and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation, we're going to be talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, but, Scotty, thank you. Thank you for so, having me, Johnny. This is fun. You, you pick fun ones. <laughs> Pick now, more fun ones for the future. Well, now now I feel like I'm obligated to pick an actual musical musical. If you want to. Uh, you could also Wicked do Part movie. 1. Oh, God, no. I hate uh, that they, they, they're doing that. <laughs> I, um, I don't understand. I don't get it. There's, I, they were, I, they, I like how they were like, there's too much of a story to tell in just one movie. And it's like, they, no, do, it every, they do it every <laughs> night for, for the last almost 20 years. Like, uh, but um, yes, thank you again, and we'll chat soon. Bye for Sounds now, good. everyone. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork, and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.